0: their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, we're joined by guests who needs absolutely no introduction. Beth Tweddle MBE was the first female gymnast from Great Britain to win a medal at the European Championships, the World Championships and the Olympic Games where she represented Great Britain no fewer than 3 times. Beth now runs her own business of recreational gymnastics for children in a school or after-school setting. I'm extremely excited, extremely excited to be talking to you today, Beth, not least because I'm one of those people who watched in awe your performances on the uneven bars and on the floor, uh, still wondering how on earth you get into some of those uh, some of those positions. But as a nation, we we were all very very proud of you. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome you onto the Sandro Forte podcast today.
1: No, thank you for having me. And uh, do you know what? I sometimes wonder how I did that as well, especially now that I've I've been retired for so long.
0: Well, i'm I'm sure you're being very modest so I, I know you have a family and uh, and you're doing some wonderful things with children in lots of ways we'll we'll, we'll discuss those in a, in a moment I guess for for those people who may not know you I mean where have you been for the last 10 years if you don't know who Beth Tweddle is but uh, for those of you who don't I mean you were born in South Africa weren't you originally of course, yeah people people won't know that so uh take us all the way back to the beginning and and that journey to the undoubted success you you achieved in gymnastics
1: yeah so I was born in South Africa um but I actually moved back here um when I was a year old so uh, just lots of videos of what are my memories kind of now um but I was always very energetic as a child I was walking from 10 months old and just had the most amount of energy possible um so from a very uh, early age, my, my parents kind of decided that sport was going to be the way to get me to sleep at night. Um, they were very hockey orientated. So I, every weekend would be down at the hockey club and um, running around the fields and stuff with all my friends. Um, and they did introduce me to it, but it was far too cold. It just wasn't for me. I'd, I'd probably have my roller skates on and uh, be rolling uh, around in the clubhouse rather than doing the actual hockey. Um, and I tried ballet, I tried swimming, I tried horse riding, but my dad's friends, his daughters did gymnastics. Um, he came around to our house one day I was upside down on the sofa which was quite normal for me uh, hanging off stuff, climbing stuff upside down Um, so he kind of said to my dad have you thought about doing gymnastics with her and that's where it came from. Um, I went along with his daughters um, and wasn't necessarily the biggest fan at first I think I'd done other sports where you get dropped off and parents sit and watch you um, so you not necessarily left whereas I was very shy Um, so to be kind of left for two or three hours at a gym club um, was a bit daunting for me Um, so I actually gave up gymnastics after about a month Um, but the coach spoke to my parents and said look we would love her to do a competition Um, and they kind of um, said do you want to come and have a go at it so I went back in the gym and had a go and luckily from the first day that I did that competition there was just no looking back I like I said I was very shy but as soon as I did that first competition I was I was a completely different child I just loved performing I loved being out there and being a bit of a show-off really <laughs> um, so it just kind of progressed from there a lot of people do ask me where where did I see that transition from doing it as a young girl as a hobby to kind of doing it as a career and the honest answer is I I never saw that transition and um, the reason I continued until 28 was I was that little girl that loved gymnastics I, I loved flipping around and loved performing and loved doing competitions so um I just kept going and by the kind of senior age group I, I realized that I was quite good at it I, I was never the the most successful at a junior level. Um, I was never the best in Britain at a junior level. Um, it was only when I became a senior that the results kind of really started to show through.
0: Mm. Undoubtedly, I mean, you are undoubtedly talented. Let's let's be clear about that. But as we know, Beth, in, in sport in particular, and, and indeed in business, there's lots of um, uh, very well-educated and talented failures so part and parcel of success isn't just the talent that you undoubtedly possess it was your ability to deal with pressure and since many people that listen to this podcast come from all different walks of life but there's a very big number of people that are um, currently battling with their business and and all the pressures that come with that and and a very good friend of mine is the Baroness Tani Grey-Thompson and she talks a lot about how she was physically sick before competition I'm sure it didn't come down to that with you how do you deal with pressure? Because talent is one thing, but you know, when you're stood in front of millions of people on television from different countries and around the world, I mean, and, and the expectations of your country on your shoulders, how do you deal with, is there a process you go through? Is it, you know, do you, I mean, how do you deal with it? Cause I'm, I'm fascinated by that one.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It, it goes back to the fact that I just loved performing. For For me, the best part of being a gymnast was being able to compete. Don't get me wrong, I got nervous. Um, everyone gets butterflies in their tummy. And I was taught from a young age that actually having those butterflies in your tummy was a good thing because it meant that you really cared about what you were doing. Because obviously, if you weren't bothered what the result was, well... Do you really care about it that much? Um, So for me, butterflies were a good thing. It was learning how to cope with those butterflies. And I guess the pressure always came from myself, my parents, my coach, my club, um, the national system. There was never any expectation or never any sort of talk about where I need to finish in a competition. So the the only thing that my coach um, Amanda ever asked from me was to do what I did in the gym. So I would train to obviously compete a certain routine and I would only be allowed to compete that routine if it had been successful in training. Um, so there was never that expectation of to go above and beyond, which I sometimes think people expect too much of themselves. They say I I Work at a certain level, but actually on D day, I am going to take it up twenty percent, and it's it's just not realistic because you you haven't prepped yourself to be doing that. You you can only do what you've been training day in day out, and um, almost when you go into that competition, your your body goes into autopilot. So, um, leading into that Olympic final. Um, my body kind of took over because I had done thousands of routines. There was my, my body knew exactly what to do and um, it was just calming myself before I presented to the judge Mm. to sort of say, you know what you do and you just let your body take over because it's all down to muscle memory. I'm sure if you stand there and think, how do I walk? Um, You would find it a lot harder to walk than if you just walk because your body has become so used to walking it's an unconscious thing you just do it Mm. Um, and that was the same within my routines I always try to get to myself to a a place that where I was going into a competition that I knew were routines inside out
0: Mm. it's interesting because I've heard people talk about luck there's no luck associated with you of course but this kind of old saying that luck comes when when preparation meets opportunity. And I think the analogy there uh, for people in business is that, you know, the the repetition, the repetitive nature of what you did became subconscious, like walking, talking, swimming, riding a bicycle. Um, I mean, what I love about what you've done as well is you haven't just retired from, you know, a sport that you loved and were fantastic at. You've taken all of those inherent skills and, and knowledge and passion into now schools, whereas so many people leave sport and then become a postman or a postmistress <laughs> or something. I, I love the fact that you've, you've continued with your passion and, and are trying to instill that in others as well. Do you think there's an, an enough opportunity for, for children uh, today in society? Oh, are they being exposed enough? Because I remember back in the day, it just seemed to be just more opportunity. There's now with the advent of social media and everything's so much more accessible are you finding that we're regressing as a society or do you think that there are opportunities out there for for children to show their talent
1: there's always opportunities out there but hundred percent we can always be doing more for them and um, the reason you you talk about me retiring and going into what i do now the reason i did that is i i learned from a very young age i My passion was gymnastics. I was never going to walk away from that for 27 years. Uh, Sorry, 21 years. All I knew was gymnastics and I loved it every single day. Um, And when I stepped away from it, There was no way that I could just step away completely from it. Um, But I also did a lot of work experience, a lot of kind of courses throughout my time whilst I was still a gymnast to kind of think, what am I going to do when I retire? Um, And one of the things I realized was I love working with children um and how do i create an opportunity for myself in life where i wake up every single morning and i don't see it as a job and i'm so lucky now that i do i wake up every morning and my two passions of working with children and gymnastics are combined and in a school environment there's no barriers as soon as you step into the after school market you've got barriers whether it is down to um facilities is there a facility near where that child lives can the parents get them there does it cost too much is there does the parents have time there's so many different barriers um, whereas during curriculum time um the children are in school they they have to do their PE lessons gymnastics is a great fundamental sport it ticks kind of all those boxes of body awareness body management balance coordination determination resilience and it, it builds more than just the skills of gymnastics. It builds those, those lifelong skills of resilience, perseverance, teamwork, friendship. You, you learn all of that alongside doing sport. And I guess that's why I'm so passionate about working with children and making sure that they do have opportunities, whether that's in a school environment or whether that's outside of school.
0: What so tell us for those who don't know what you do now, um what do you actually do with, with the children uh in inside and outside of, of school?
1: Yeah, so I've got Bet Gymnastics, which was primarily set up as an after-school environment um, for children to have a go at gymnastics. Um, I'm not there to create the next um, kind of world champion Olympic medalist. I am there as the grassroots level to have a go at gymnastics. And a bit like myself, I tried lots of other sports and I found that I loved gymnastics and I wasn't such a big fan of hockey. Um, But if they haven't got the opportunity to try gymnastics, they'll never know whether they like like it. So it's recreational-based, one to two hours a week. We we take from kind of the age of zero. <laughs> and we just launched a baby product, which was amazing. Um, so it's in an after-school environment, but also on top of that, we also now deliver um, in national curriculum Um, so we're trying to create that pathway of children try it in school they decide actually I quite like this sport they have a go at it at the after school club and then say to we can talk to the school or to the parents and say do you know what your child has shown um, an interest in it would they like to come to a venue outside of school so you're kind of creating that pathway and then um, as I said we're recreational based if we see a child that obviously has a flair for it or they express an interest that they want to do more, then we will work with them and their parents to, to find that pathway of a club-level club, club level route. Mm. So um, it, it's really exciting. When I first retired, I didn't think it would ever be as big as it was. Um, I was lucky in the fact that Steve Parry, who's my business partner, he was an Olympic medalist And he had set up a similar thing with swimming and made mistakes along the way. And he kind of approached me prior to retirement and sort of said, look, I would love to kind of help you set up something with gymnastics. Are you interested? So I owe a lot to him for thinking about retirement prior to my actual retirement. I didn't have a huge involvement with it prior to my retirement because my main focus was competing and obviously London 2012. Um, but since then, I've I have kind of turned into the the business world now, which is a whole new world. And um, I feel like I was when I was seven years old. There's just so much to learn. Um, but I'm I'm very lucky that I have great mentors around me to help me on that process.
0: It's kind of bizarre hearing you say the word retirement for such a a young lady should we use the word transition transition (laughs) Um, yeah yeah so on that subject Beth um transitioning from being an elite athlete uh into something brand new and again there's a kind of an analogy for people listening who do find transition from one place in life to another lost a job need to start a new one uh moving from 30 years of employed service in a company to gardening and golf and all the other things that people do when they retire but actually from a mental health perspective a lot of people do find that really challenging I guess for you it was probably not quite so stark a transition because you'll continue to do the things you love and and you prepared in advance but in terms of helping people to understand how to deal with transition any thoughts observations um tips ideas to share with people who are Really struggling with that whole notion of moving from one place to another.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a few different things. I mean, obviously, from if you know that retirement is coming, um, that's probably easier to plan for. So you can start to think if we're talking about an athlete um, that's moving into. Um, obviously the everyday world rather than being a competitive athlete there's loads of things you can do I was um, always doing courses um, so kind of looking at the things that I had an interest in to see whether it is something that I could move into a career with so I tried my hand at bookkeeping and yeah I soon realized <laughs> I'll leave that to the accountants. and um, I I did a course uh, in sports massage. I worked in a primary school just um, kind of doing work experience. And that's where I realized that, you know, what, I just love working with kids. Um, But I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher. So I think you can sort of whilst you're still doing your your sport, um, you can be trying other stuff. Um, And for those that obviously don't necessarily... Get that time to think about it. I think it's um, taking a step back. Yes, it is a hard time, and you might be struggling. But speak up. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Um, I think a lot of people feel that asking for help is a sign of weakness, whereas actually I see it the other way around. By asking for help, it shows the strength of your character. You're willing to show your vulnerability. You're willing to say, do you know what? I don't understand what's going on. Please, please explain it to me. And that, I guess that was a big learning curve for me in business because I remember sitting in kind of the first few meetings. I say first few, it was probably the first year. Um, and they're talking about PL sheets and profit and loss. And it, it was just double dutch to me. I used to make notes in my notepad and I think everyone thought I was making notes about the meeting. I was just writing down words that I didn't understand. And then I would come out of the meeting and phone my dad who had been in business for years and just say, dad, help me. Um, And gradually working with him, he was like, don't just ask me for help. It, that's great that you are, but just ask Steve or ask whoever you're in the meeting. It's not a bad thing to say. Can you just explain that? And that that's been a real key for me during this time. And um, so I think for people that are stepping into that retirement world or transition world, it's it's keeping an open mind, being willing to try stuff, being willing to talk to people. You never know by talking to people what doors can be opened for you. And um, networking is is a a real big thing because you never know by talking to someone what door will open for you so there's lots of different things that people can be doing um alongside their everyday job or their sport Mm.
0: I um I've spent the whole of my life saying asking for help because I have no idea what's going on (laughs) most of the time um so uh the, the the qualities the the skills the attributes that you've picked up as a as a world-class athlete, um, what what skills have you picked up along the way that you now apply in business, Beth? That you would also encourage other people to maybe focus on in terms of personal development?
1: I think there's there's quite a few. I think that that kind of resilience and determination, um, not to. Get struck down by a problem. Yes, there's always going to be problems. Um, every day you think you're you're doing well and someone throws a curveball at you. Um, but it's having that mindset of there's a problem there, but what what are the solutions to it rather than going to someone else to say, what's the solution? Can you come up with solutions and then bounce those ideas around with people? And that positive mindset was one thing that I I really have taken from my sports career. And I, I, it really came into its own during, I remember sitting in the boardroom with Steve um, sort of this time last year um, and no one was really sure what was going on with COVID. But as a decision, as a business, we decided to close prior to the national lockdown, which was a really difficult decision. Um, but it was kind of, here's your problem, what's your solution? And we kind of worked worked on it all those few days leading up to it and our solution was do you know what we're going to do the best by our customer we're gonna we shut our doors early and then obviously a few days later anyway we went into national lockdown um but that positive mindset has really helped myself and Steve past um throughout this past 12 months to kind of um focus on how do we keep the business going how do we still keep all of the the customers engaged so there's there's been lots of positives with that um other skill sets that I think I've picked up on time management um obviously I was at school full-time I was doing university I was competing alongside that um and just having that priority of right what what is my priority today? Training, fitting an essay in or getting a, a deadline done. Um, and I think that really comes into kind of your work-life balance, um, especially during this time where a lot of people are working from home. I think people have found it quite difficult because your laptop's there. It's so tempting to just kind of switch mm. it back on. But having that, that time management and work-life balance um, teamwork, how, how do you work in the team um, to get the best results? How do you use individual strengths? Um, yes, I was an individual sport, but when it came to the team competition, it was a case of which gymnasts would have the individual strength on each individual apparatus to come out with the best team result. And that, that's how I look at it when you're, you're sat in a team meeting. Who is it that in this team meeting is the best at marketing or um whatever the the skill is that's required and sort of piece you to team together in that way um so that there's so many skill sets that you can be working on um even during these times there's there's loads of good good things that can come out of um a very strange year
0: spoken like a seasoned businesswoman um <laughs> Proudest moment. I know, I'm sorry, you've probably heard this one a thousand times, but there's lots of listeners out there that would like to know the answer to the question. Proudest moment in your entire career? And I mean, I'm sure there's quite a number of highlights, but which would be the, the standout one for you, Beth?
1: Do you know what? It's, I get asked this so often. And obviously, London 2012 has. The biggest place in my heart. It took me 20 years to achieve that Olympic medal. I went through the heartache of coming forth in Beijing. Do I continue? Do I not? And to be able to stand on that podium in front of a home crowd, having gone through surgery only a hundred days prior to London, to be able to pick up that medal and finish my career was unbelievable. But without all of the other medals prior to it, winning the world titles, winning the European titles, that London medal wouldn't have been um possible but yeah london london was special
0: you you mentioned beijing um and and what must have been a a, a, for you it would be a low low moment for the rest of us if only we could dream of of, of achieving (laughs) anything so extraordinary how do you pick yourself up when things don't go according to plan
1: that's an interesting question because throughout my career um When results didn't go my way or I picked up an injury for the first sort of 24 hours, I was probably a bear with a sore head. And why is it always me? It's so unfair. But within the 24 hours, I'd kind of flipped it on, flipped it on its head. What are the positives I can take to this? Right. I've got an ankle injury. I can work on all of my flexibility, upper body strength. I can continue working on bars. And then obviously when I get the all clear, I can I can go full steam ahead. Um, But Beijing was the one moment in my career that I struggled with. I finished that competition and for the next week, I didn't really want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to know about gymnastics. My coach has honestly said she wasn't sure whether I would continue with gymnastics because ultimately I had kind of in the back of my mind that I would go to Beijing, I would hopefully pick up a medal and I would retire. And that didn't happen. So to come home from Beijing, being so close to an Olympic medal, 0. 0.025 away, but being so far um, away from it, um, I was devastated. I I still to this day haven't watched that routine all the way through. It just... I can remember that heartache so vividly. Um, but within sort of a week or two, I I was on holiday and I just thought, I can't give up on that dream. Um, that dream was born in 2004. I went to the Olympics, but I didn't just want to be an Olympian. I, I saw people winning Olympic medals and I was jealous and I wanted to win an Olympic medal. Um, and... Obviously being so close, but so far in Beijing, two weeks later, I just, I wanted to be able to say in London 2012 that I tried. I didn't want to be sat in the audience going, I wish i tried. Had I gone four years and given it everything and not made the team, well, I would never look back with any regrets. Um, luckily, it didn't come to that. Um, it was the most successful four years of my career. Um, It was obviously a a harder four years in the sense that I was an older athlete. I had to be a lot smarter with my training um, and I had to work obviously with the medical team, British Gymnastics and Amanda to kind of work out what was the best training to to enable me to get the best um, out of those four years. But um, I've always lived by
0: don't have regrets. Mm. I love that. Yeah, the, the fact that you stay focused on the dream and, and I guess also the permission that you've given everyone to feel sorry for yourself for a short period of time because that's yeah. part of the healing process, isn't it? So um, it is, the, yeah. the the work you do with Switch the Play, I can't, can't yeah. let the podcast go without talking about that because you know, you're one of those few people who you know, have given so much joy to so many people, but you continue to do that in a, with a different hat on now. Yeah. So uh, your work with Switch to Play, just tell us briefly about that, Beth. Yeah,
1: so I'm a, I'm a trustee um, with the charity. Um, The reason that I've done it and got involved with it was I have been through that transition journey um, and I was lucky enough to have that support network around me to help me through that journey. And they they gave me the advice before I retired. So I had already started prepping for my retirement in sort of, well, I say 2008, 2009, when Steve spoke to me, but actually just by my parents insisting on a young age that I kept up with my education, that was already starting to think about my transition. But Steve kind of coming to me with the idea for a company afterwards, that was prepping me all for my retirement. And I just so many athletes get to their end of the career and then think what now they feel that they've lost their identity they feel that they're alone they haven't got the support there whereas actually Switcher play is there we're there to help you we're there to help you prior to retirement there's there's lots of different things that you can be doing whether that's coaching whether that's mentoring whether that's doing classes and um, we have lots of different masterclasses that are looking at different skills whether it's maxim, maximizing your network whether it's looking at your finances whether it's um, looking at the brand that you are creating because what you're doing whilst you're competing is creating a brand for yourself and how can you continue that brand even when you're not necessarily known as an, an athlete. For, for years even afterwards um, people will say to me what's your job title and I, I used to say a former athlete because you kind of didn't really know how to uh, how to associate you with yourself. And I think Switch to Play are really working hard now to kind of get that message out there of we are there to help individuals. We're there to work with teams. We're there to work with organisations to, to help d- during that transition period. It doesn't need to be scary. It doesn't need to be a tough time because there's so many things you can do in preparation for it. Um,
0: and it was lovely that you've been recognised as you were with your with your MBE. Which member of the royal family presented it to you and what are they like?
1: So it was Prince Charles. Um, and it was, do you know what? It was so nerve wracking. Um, you kind of go to Buckingham Palace and you're allowed your three guests with you. So I have my mum, dad and my brother with me. Um, and as soon as you go into the palace, your guests go one way and you go on the other. So I was just kind of on my own and you walk into a room full of, all these other people that are getting the honour. And when you start talking to them, you're thinking, should I even be here? Like what their stories are and their services to their specific area is just incredible. And then when you go down to kind of actually get your your honor they're like right you've got to take so many steps here then do a quarter turn take so many steps then you stop and then you do your and I was just like I am not going to (laughs) remember any of this Um, but when I went up to Prince Charles he he asked me I'd just competed at the European Championships in Birmingham a few weeks earlier so um, he asked me about that he said he had um, seen that I'd done really well Um, so it's a really nice day a really nice family event and and definitely one that I'll I'll treasure.
0: treasure. Oh, well very well deserved. We we're all very proud of you. Uh so the final couple of questions, one's very very brief. How do we find out more about Beth Tweddle MBE and all the lovely work that she does? So are you a social media fanatic or have you got a website? Yeah. Uh, it-
1: there's lots of, uh, wait. So I do do social media. I'm not a, a everyday person. I, I find it really difficult to take enough photos to be able to be on Instagram every <laughs> single day. Um, but yes, um, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Better Edel News and uh, Better Edel Gymnastics. Co.uk is obviously the company and then switch to play um where obviously if there's any athletes out there that are wanting support um feel free to get in touch with us and we'll obviously work with you to see how we can help
0: great stuff thank you and final question we ask this to all our guests beth uh and that is uh, and you've you've covered so much already but if your uh, daughter freya Am I right in thinking? Fred? Yes. Right. So uh, see, we, we don't even we don't do research. We kind of stalk our guests. really. <laughs> um, so your daughter, Freya, comes up to you one day and says, Mummy, you know, I've, I've seen all these amazing things that you've achieved. If you could give me one piece of advice above all others to kind of help me navigate my way through life, what would that one piece of advice be, Beth?
1: Not wanting it yesterday. For me, I was always wanting results yesterday or tomorrow, whereas actually it took me 20 years to achieve my big dream. So um, there's time. Take your time and use the people around you to help you achieve that.
0: I hope all the millennials out there listen very carefully (laughs) to what you just said, including my kids. Um, Beth Tweddle, MBE, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a a really wonderful guest. I I didn't think that it would be anything other than very insightful um, and uplifting. and, And once again, on behalf of an entire nation, not just the, the UK, but um, people across the world, very, very proud of all you've achieved and stood for in British ath- uh, athletics uh, and gymnastics. So um, thank you very much for joining us and look forward to connecting on social media and, and maybe catching up in the not too distant future.
1: That's amazing. Thank you very much for having me.